And part of what it means to be an airman is we remember, right? We remember that we enjoy, you know, you and I walk into a, to a uh, airport now in uniform, right? We're not going to get five steps before somebody comes over and shakes our hand, right? And offers to buy us a cup of coffee, thank us for our service, right? And we got to always remember that that's not just because of what we do today. It's also because of the shoulders we stand on, right? And the folks that we have to remember. The voice you just heard is that of General David Goldfein. He's the chief of staff of the Air Force, and you'll hear more from him a little later in this episode. That soundbite was taken a few months ago during a visit the general made to the band, but it seemed appropriate to begin today's episode. Here in the Air Force Band, we spend a lot of time on the subject of veterans. It's something that we discuss and celebrate at almost every single one of our public events, and honor at every military funeral. In fact, honor veterans is the first tenet of our mission statement. So today, in honor of Veterans Day, we'll hear from just a few of our nation's 18.2 million veterans. From your United States Air Force Band, this is the Connection Series, a podcast that examines the intersections between the military, music, and storytelling. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brooke Emery. On this episode, we'll talk to audience members at a few of our recent performances, Here's some thoughts on service from one of our own members, as well as a very special story from the Chief of Staff of the United States Air Force. And when did you serve, sir? 1961. I was a staff sergeant. I was called to active duty from the Minnesota National Guard um, two months after I got married, 58 years ago. I think every member of the Air Force Band would agree that the best part of touring the country is meeting the people who come to see our performances. This past October, during our fall tour in Florida, Senior Master Sergeant Dennis Hoffman headed out into the audience, asking the veterans at our concert to speak about their service. And we had quite a few takers. Most of the folks we talked to spoke fondly of their time serving, and it was interesting how for most of these veterans, it was the most ordinary parts of their lives in the military that ended up sticking in their memory. There were quite a few people who shared stories of their own parents and grandparents, keeping their legacies alive despite the fact that they were no longer with us. Without exception, each individual we spoke to was proud to be part of something larger than themselves. Here are just a handful of their stories, in their own words. I was sent to Phan Rang, Vietnam, which is just south of Cameron Bay, in uh, 1960, January 68, and then I was out at 69. Okay. And um, I worked with the chaplains on the base, and um, I'm most proud of uh, receiving the Air Force Commendation Medal, the service above and beyond the call of duty, not for an act of bravery, but for what I did with the Vietnamese civilians and with our, well, I was in the 35th Combat Support Group with our pilots, with our, uh, you know, uh, support group. And uh, most proud of that because it wasn't an act of bravery. It was, it was, it was, uh, I was, I was put up for it because of what I did for all year. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I just love my time in the military. I would, I would have, would have stayed. But I was starting to have um, medical problems, so it was time. I ended up being the ghostwriter for our commander. And I wrote the commander's bulletin every week. 
I was telling my wife, look at with the, with the dress uniforms, look at the shoes. Yeah. I remember all the time I spent polishing my shoes so I would pass inspection. Yeah. Now anybody else is not, you know, gonna look at the uniform, they're not gonna look at the shoes. You spent a long time of your life polishing shoes at one point in your life. I was stationed south of Marble Mountain near Da Nang. Our primary responsibility was to protect the Air Force Base in Da Nang and keep it from getting rocketed by either the North Vietnamese or the Viet Cong. I was a Purple Heart recipient. I served in many operations from night ambushes and patrols to battalion size, regimental size, company sized operations. Your name, sir? First and last name? <coughs> Willard Kerr. Nice to meet you, sir. And what, what did you do when you were in the Air Force? Uh, ran a mess hall. Ran a mess hall? Yes. That's an important job. Yes. <laughs> If you want to hear a funny story, I would love. A funny I had the same number of stripes as another fellow, and he was crazy to get one more stripe above me, and he had seniority. So this is the Chicago, the military part of O'Hare Field. He says, President Nixon's flying in today. Sergeant Kerr, you, and take three or four of your good guys, meet Nixon at the airport, bring him a big thing of coffee, and everything else. And I said, Sergeant White, that's the craziest idea I've ever had. But he had seniority, so we went out there. I knew all was going to happen. Military police greet us before Nixon comes off the plane and says, I don't want to get you guys in trouble. Apparently somebody's giving you bad advice. Just turn around, take your coffee pot and your coffee cups back to your mess hall and, and you're not giving President Nixon any any coffee. And I knew that was going to happen. So that, that's one story so I had. didn't get a strike, did he? No, he never. No, he didn't. No. My name is Robert Betts. My father was Master Sergeant Gerhard Herman Betts. He was a P-51 mechanic in England, and they had a a bombing raid on the Stuttgart ball bearing factory. And they had to approach it through a valley. The factory was at the end of the valley, and it was heavily fortified all the way down the valley, and they expected a 50% loss rate on the B-17s. And that morning, a lot of men got up, and they couldn't go. And my father said, I'll go. Never been up, so he was a side gunner in a B-17. And it was a successful mission, but so many men didn't come back. But I, I'll never understand how so many people could get up and just do their job. And a 50% loss rate is what they expected. So that was my dad, and he never talked about it. So. Thank you for sharing his story with us. Yeah, I've got a story. Okay. I'm going to put this right here for you, okay? Okay. Just talk to me. My voice is not good. It's okay. I'll be able to hear you fine. Okay. My name is Al Will. I'm a Korean War vet. I'm four years in the Air Force, two in Japan, from 52 to 54. I was in Migo Air Force Base, and they transferred me to Misawa in northern Japan. Huge base. I had only been there a couple of days trying to figure out where everything is. I took the bus out to the end of the road. There was a golf course, and a nine-hole golf 
I walked in, sat down, talked with the GI that was running it. And he said, uh, with your background, I had a degree in horticulture from New York State, State University of New York. He said, how would you like to work on a golf course? I said, sure, why not? Forgot all about it. Three days later, the sergeant major from the squadron called me into the office. He said, what the hell did you do? I said, I just got here with the hell? I didn't have time to do anything. He said, you got orders to put to the base commander a class A uniform. I walked into the office, loaded to everything I was supposed to do. And he said, sit down. I said, yes, sir. He said, you have a degree in horticulture? I said, yes, sir. He said, how would you like to work in the golf course? I said, yes, sir. I met with the GI that was the manager of the course. And he said, all right, I'm going to be rotated back to the States. I've got three months here. I'm going to teach you everything I know. He was a young GI that was a, uh, a young pro, golf pro. He taught me how to play golf. I had never played golf in my life. In three months' time, I play, played golf almost every day. I learned the course, and it was a nine-hole course. They were going to be expanding it to an 18-hole course. They said they're going to need my experience with plants, etc., to integrate the existing nine with the new nine. And I played golf. I got to the point where I taught officers' wives how to play golf. And I, I learned how to play enough golf. I had a 10 handicap when I left. Wow. That was great. Yeah. Well, that's my story. I had a great time. Yeah. I played golf almost every day. <laughs> I had a good time. Yeah. yeah thank I enjoyed chatting with you. A special thank you to each and every veteran who agreed to have their story recorded. The path to military service looks different for each individual, and the next two stories illustrate that fact. First, we'll hear from Chief Master Sergeant Ryan Carson, a member of the United States Air Force Band, about his path to service and the most memorable event during his time in the Air Force. I'm really um, honored and privileged to be a third-generation airman in my family. Uh, my grandfather uh, was an airman. Actually, he was in the Army Air Corps before it was the Air Force, and he became in the Air Force as, as we uh, adopted our own service. And then uh, my father was a maintainer uh, for 20-plus years of career, and he was a, a bomber guy, B-52s and B-1s, and he retired out of Ellsworth Air Force Base, South Dakota. And I always in my heart knew I wanted to serve, um, but I always had this tug to music, and I had no idea that the two worlds could collide. And I can remember doing my undergrad at the University of Wyoming and seeing a flyer that the Air Force Band needed a tenor vocalist. And I honestly stopped dead in my tracks and thought it was fake because I was like, how does that job exist? Because to be honest, I never knew about the band program, even though my father was a career airman, as was my grandfather. Um, and to find out there was a program that existed that I could that I could pay attention to that yearning and that pull I felt to service, yet still use 
the gifts that had been given to me through music, I said, I have to try this. So I tried out and fast forward 19 years later, here I am an airman musician serving, wearing the same uniform my father did. Uh, a little bit different now, we've had a few changes, but, uh, and my grandfather, and just carrying on that legacy in a completely different mission set. But still the heart of it's the same. We're all airmen and we all have a mission to do. So that, that bond that we share um, is really what made me join the Air Force, to have that, that common line, even though completely different, how similar we all can be. That we always remember that the name on the left side of our uniform is the same, no matter our career field. It's all the United States Air Force. So I'm just honored to be a part of that. I think about you every day. Please be safe, I hope and pray. When he comes home. So if I had to explain what my favorite performance I've done so far in my career, um, it's really hard to quantify it because there's so many great opportunities that we have in this job. I mean, honestly, it's really surreal, some of the environments we get to sing in and perform in. Um, but this job has taken me from the 50-yard line of New York Giants Stadium to the White House to Jordan and Egypt to Iraq, Afghanistan to the state funeral for George Bush. And how do you quantify that? But if I had to nail it down, I would have to say there was a performance on deployment where I remember very distinctly uh, us performing on the side of a mountain in Afghanistan somewhere for a group of Army Rangers um, and a forward operating base, what we call a FOB. And uh, we had just got done singing a show, and uh, I closed with Chris Daughtry's Home. It was a couple years ago, so Chris Daughtry was still pretty hot on the charts. And uh, we sang the song Home, and this crusty Army Ranger came up to me. You know, he had a beard, and he was in civilian clothes because they were uh, special operators. and. Um, he actually threw his, he had a special forces patch and he actually threw it at me and it hit me. And um, he said, I just wanted to let you know you saved my life tonight. And I looked at him and I said, what do you mean I saved your life tonight? And he said, well, I've been out here for a year and they just extended me and I haven't seen my wife and kids and I was going to kill myself tonight. But you sang that song and it made me think of home and I realized I could do this. So... Although I've shared that story a lot, um, it's not um, to talk about how great I am, it's to talk about how powerful music is, that it's healing. Um, people said it's balm, and it really can take you to a place. It's a time machine. So whether you're on the side of a mountain, or at a funeral, or at the White House, or on a 50-yard line, the minute you open your mouth, or you play that instrument, people are transported to a different time in a different place. So if I had to nail it down, it'd have to be that experience with that Army Ranger and us being able to take him home for that three minutes and 45 seconds that changed his life. For our final Veterans Day story, we return to the voice of General David Goldfein. We at the band have always had a special fondness for the 21st Chief of Staff of the Air Force, partially because of this story about his path to service, which he was kind enough to share with us again just a few weeks ago. So I'll share one more story with you. Um, 
Um, when I went to the Air Force Academy, class of 19, I was in six, year, six years in the Air Force Academy, right, four-year program. You get an idea of sort of where I was academically. And, uh, and so two years into it, after a year of prep school, uh, we sort of decided mutually that uh, this whole Air Force thing wasn't working out for me very well. I wasn't very good academically. Um, I was struggling terribly militarily, but at least athletically I was slow. <laughs> so we made a decision that maybe I need to go get my act together, and so I left the academy for a year. Uh, but with the option, they, they left me an option of coming back if I could get my act together. And so my passion was music. And so I left the academy to make my way as a music, musician and uh, got a job as a roadie with a guy named Harry Chapin. Cats in the Cradle, Taxi, right? Y'all remember that? Okay, I know he's, he's now considered a real old guy. Right, so uh, an interesting. You may not know that the the song Taxi, um, the the chorus of that. Right, you were going to be an actress. I was going to learn to fly. You took off to find the footlights. I took off to find the sky. Was based on his uh, time as a cadet at the Air Force Academy. Most folks don't know Harry Chapin went to the Air Force Academy, lasted through the summer, left. <laughs> right, uh, went to Cornell, washed out, ended up driving a taxi in New York City and the rest is history, right? So I get a job with Harry Chapin, my hero, as a roadie, and I'm on a 10-speed bicycle ride, and that's because that's, that's all that you could get back then was 10 speeds on a bicycle, right? <laughs> so I'm riding towards uh, New England to hook up with him when he had his accident, and it was a tragic car accident, we lost him. And so I find myself with a guitar strapped to a, to a uh, bicycle, you know, pedaling through the country, and ended up uh, pedaling around for the rest of the year. And playing the guitar in, uh, in bars for tips and, uh, and decided, you know that starving artist thing? It's way overrated, <laughs> way overrated, right? I haven't eaten top, top ramen noodles since. Uh, and then uh, called back to the academy and said, hey, will you let me back in? I'm, I'm ready to come back and I think this country's worth defending because I just spent a year peddling through it. And I met some incredible people along the way that just took me in, you know, a stranger, you know, a kid with, you know, long hair and a beard and, you know, traveling around on a bicycle and they took me in and uh, it's just an incredible experience. And so anyway, always a little envious of those who actually were able to follow your passion uh, into music because that's something I was always looking to do. Um, but, you know, given my talent today in music, uh, I probably picked the right path. <laughs> so, yeah, you bet. You can head over to our Facebook page to see some images of General Goldfein during his Air Force Academy days. Just search the United States Air Force Band. A very special thank you to Mr. Dwayne O'Brien for allowing us to use his song, We Remember, throughout today's podcast. Today's episode was produced by myself along with Senior Master Sergeant Matthew Irish and Senior Master Sergeant Dennis Hoffman. Additional audio help was provided by Master Sergeant Mike Hampf. The executive producer of the Connection series is Colonel Don Schofield.